0: The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We're talking about the three three B's, brackets, Brady, and Brooke Lopez. That is today's show. We're going to also talk a little bit about why I think Guinness has slept on as a popular St. Patrick's Day drink, but I think you need to incorporate Guinness more in your regular life. So we'll talk about that at the tail end of today's show. Um, A really good one. I'm excited to talk a little bit about the brackets um, and get sort of the breakdown of where Marquette and Wisconsin go from here, Tom Brady, how that changes the NFC landscape, and then Brooke Lopez and what his return will mean to the Milwaukee Bucks. We start, though, with a little bit of self-promotion. As you know, Tapping the Keg on Twitter. Definitely follow us right now. This is the time. Hanging out with us, I think, will be a great time. We'll definitely be talking about all the games. We'll be locked in. Definitely a lot of commentary around Marquette, Wisconsin, the Bucks, everything else, what the Brewers moves might be happening. It's a great time to be following Tapping the Keg. Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you don't maybe want the day-to-day updates and it might want it a little bit on a slower drip, that's definitely for you. Um, so follow along there. And then rate, review, subscribe on the podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys are already subscribed and you just need to rate and review. And please rate and review. I'm giving you free money with my bracket pool. The least you could do is leave me a positive review and a solid rating for the podcast, however you'd get it, whether it be Apple, whether it be Spotify. And yes, we do have a bracket pool. Uh, the group ID is 9655 the password is daily tap that d is capitalized so make sure you're signing up for that prizes are all by me yours truly funded out of my pocket first prize hundred dollars straight cash homie and an appearance on the podcast now you don't have to come on the podcast but if you want to come on the podcast the the invite is open so we'll have a conversation you can promote something. You can tell us. You can ask me questions. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll connect and basically be like, what do you want this to be about? And that will be the show. Prize number two, a $50 gift card to StubHub to watch a Brewers game, a Bucks game, a team that maybe I don't know about. Maybe you have a trip planned and you want to go see a Padres game. You're going out to San Diego. Maybe you're an Admirals fan, and you want to use that to wash the Admirals. I don't really care how you use that credit, but it'll be a fifty dollars gift card to StubHub. And if you have a better ticket provider, please let me know. If you guys, if you're like, hey, I really like TickPick um, because they have no fees, um, I'm certainly open to change it. I'm not sponsored by StubHub; it's just the first one that came to mind. Then, lastly a $25 gift card to home field apparel. Uh, get your college gear, whether you're a Badger fan, whether you're a Marquette fan, whether you just want something unique. Maybe you like LSU, maybe you like uh, Texas, and you wanna get a shirt You know, from one of those teams and not necessarily a team that you cheer for. I will tell you, this is the most comfortable shit you will ever wear. Um, I got, I had a t-shirt subscription from them, drove my wife crazy because I'd get t-shirts every week, but man, do I fucking love those t-shirts. Um, they are top notch and I wish I had a t-shirt for every team that I didn't hate so that will be that will basically buy a t-shirt with 25 i think it's like 32 usually but that'll that'll at least cover it i would have done it up to 35 by the way they don't allow it it's either 25 or 50 so that's that's where we leave it um and then yeah that will those are the three prizes so make sure you're signing up it's on yahoo group id 9655 password daily tap the d is capitalized I will put that on my story. I will probably have a overall post so you guys know where to sign up, how to sign up, and have that all ready ready and raring to go for you. All right, I talked enough self-promotion there. Let's talk about the brackets. Let's get in to what the path is for Marquette. So Marquette's a nine seed. No one really likes to be a nine seed. Um, no one really enjoys to be any seed in that seven to 10 range, Um, you know, is there an opportunity where you can spring an upset? Sure, we see one seeds lose all the time. We saw last year with Illinois when Loyola Chicago knocked them off and advanced to the sweet 16. So it's possible, it is definitely possible to have a team, you know, do the unthinkable. It's, It's not like out of this world that can happen. That said, you know, Marquette is facing off against Baylor if they do advance. Baylor is the national champions. Baylor will have the sort of fan base advantage with it being in Texas, this taking place in Fort Worth. So it's not it's not going to be an easy task for Marquette to pull off. That said, they have to get through North Carolina first. Marquette is gonna to try to be the second straight team from Wisconsin to beat the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina was not necessarily a matchup that I think Marquette fans were hoping for. Uh, North Carolina is big inside. Armando Baycott is an absolute monster in the paint and he's going to eat. He's going to have himself a day. Uh, Baycott de- definitely doesn't have anybody to take on from Marquette. Like I don't think Kirk is going to do well against Baycott. I don't think Oso Iguodaro is going to do good against Baycott. I think Baycott's going to have a day now. You can have a guy go off. You could have Baycott kind of have 30 and 15, but if you shut down everybody else around him, you can still win a basketball game. I, I witnessed this firsthand years ago. This is a random poll, but I, I think Luke Herringote had a game against Marquette where he scored like 40 points and he was unbelievable. He just was absolutely unstoppable. And the Marquette at that time had a very small team and Herringote just went crazy, but Marquette shut everybody else off. That is basically what Marquette's going to hope for here against North Carolina because Baycott's going to get his. I think you understand that Baycott is going to get his, but you look at that North Carolina team and there are some flaws. They're not a good pick and roll defense. They are 230th in the country at pick and roll defense. All Marquette does is pick and roll. So freeing up opportunities that are going to be there. Justin Lewis should have some opportunities. Marcel should have some opportunities. Cam Jones and Greg Elliott should have a ability to hit down three-point shots. Their three-point defense is pathetic. Uh, They are 255 in three-point defense. Um, That plays to Marquette's advantage as well. Uh, North Carolina can make the three as well. They're very good from behind the arc. Not only can they rebound, they also can hit the three, but Marquette is pretty good defensively from three. So they, they should be able to shut that down, but they are very big inside and that's That's going to be the problem here. That's going to be the push-pull. We've seen in the past this season where Marquette is overwhelmed by too much size. And that is definitely something North Carolina doesn't lack with Baycott, who we've mentioned. Brady Manick, uh, the transfer from Oklahoma, is a beast down low at 6'9". So he's definitely going to give them some problems. Leaky Black doesn't play as much, but at 6'8". Leaky Black can create some issues. Um, so they definitely have some beef, no question about it. And Marquette's gonna have to do their best to prevent that beef from overwhelming them. And and it really, I think will come down to, can they hit their shots? They have not been as good of a three-point shooting team in the last month. Um, Greg Elliott has kind of careened in that category. Um, I feel like Cam Jones had some moments, but even in that last few games, I have not really seen that Cam Jones that we saw in the middle of February it was like, whoa, this guy is a star. And Tyler Kolick needs to kind of just settle down. Like I think Tyler Kolick has looked like the moment's been too big. So can Tyler Kolak sort of bring it all in and sort of reset the deck? This Marquette will get a plenty of rest. I think that this will be as fresh as Marquette will be all season um, because they, so look, if you think about it, they played Saturday against St. John's two weeks, or that was last week. So they played St. John's last week, played one game against Creighton. They lost obviously on that Thursday. Now they will play the Thursday after. So really Marquez only played two games in 14 days. Carolina, maybe not as well rested. They played, you know, they kind of went into the ACC championship. They were a game away from playing their rivals Duke for the ACC title, which everybody would have loved. But they yeah, they only played one game, or two games, excuse me. So they played Virginia on Thursday, Virginia Tech on Friday. I don't think... North Carolina and Marquette had any common opponents. Marquette, I don't think played anybody in the ACC this season. Um, And if you look at North Carolina's resume per se, uh, they struggled against the really good teams this year amid the Duke win at the end of the season. Like if they played somebody good, if they leveled up to Kentucky, Tennessee, Purdue, those teams they lost almost by double digits in all of those scenarios. Probably their best win besides the Duke win was their sweep against Virginia Tech in the regular season, who's a tournament team, and their win against Michigan. But I, I, I'm not really going to take the Michigan thing all too seriously. They, I think they also had some, who else, are They beat. I think they, they beat Notre Dame. No, they didn't beat Notre Dame. So they even don't have that on their resume. So it's it's not that great of a North Carolina team. I mean, they have 24 wins. They have only nine losses, sure. But I look at what Marquette has done this season and I feel like Marquette can definitely hang with them. I think even though they're nine, nine 19 and 12, I don't think that record really tells the full story. You know, Marquette has swept Villanova. They be- beat the shit out of Providence in one game and were a couple possessions away from beating Providence again. They swept Seton Hall this year, which was huge. Seton Hall, another tournament team. They couldn't beat uh, Connecticut. UConn was the only team that really gave them fits. And if you look at what North Carolina is, you could argue that UConn is similar. So I think they should really study a lot of that UConn tape and look at how do we sort of Fix our fix our mistakes with Yukon. I think the Creighton tape would also be very helpful as Creighton is pretty big and Marquette struggled with their size. How do they create those advantages? When Marquette was rolling in those games, you know, and had runs, why were those why did those runs happen? That is what Marquette should really look at. And that's sort of how I think they can win this game. I advocated for the press against Creighton very early in the second half because Creighton turned the ball over a lot. And Marquette finally brought it out and then wouldn't you know, they started forcing forcing turnovers. North Carolina doesn't turn the ball over that much, but I do think you can kind of run a team with size and you can kind of run them off the court. Carolina, very athletic. They can compete. They can run with the best of them. But I do wonder if Shaka Smart, instead of kind of taking the air out, whether he will push, push, push and sort of see if you can drain, you know, Baycott and Manic and sort of kind of get them in a position where they might run out of gas at the end of it. And that to me is gonna be really crucial as well as the start of the third quarter, or sorry, the start of second half, which is the third quarter of the game. If you follow along with Ken Palm, he breaks it out by quarters. And that has been a real struggle for Marquette all season. So they're gonna have to be good in that quarter period if they wanna win this game, but it should be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. I think if I had to choose between like the eight, nine matchups, this would probably be the one besides Boise State. I think Boise would have, I think Marquette would have definitely, would felt pretty good about Boise. San Diego State has a lot of size. They're really good at the pick and roll defense. I don't think I would have felt too good about San Diego State. Who else was in that eight line? Let's see here. Oh, Seton Hall. So obviously you can't play Seton Hall because they're in your conference. So that wouldn't happen. But Uh, But the uh, the other two, for sure, I I think that Marquette would have had, I think Boise would have been the answer. If you were like, who would you have rather played, Boise or North Carolina? I think Boise, but I will say this, I would rather be in Baylor's region than say Gonzaga's. And I would rather be in Baylor's region than Arizona, which is Seton Hall, right? Like I, if if I had to choose, Marquette got a pretty good break here. I think I don't think Baylor. I don't think really any of the one seeds are vulnerable, you know, outside the Sweet Sixteen. Like I think they all should advance to the Sweet Sixteen, but I do think that if one team is vulnerable, it's Baylor just because of their injury issues and they they're not the same team they were last year. And they're you know they've played a kindle a little bit. Um, I don't think a lot of these guys have familiarity with them because he was there at Georgetown a couple years ago. I'm trying. Greg Elliott might. That would be the only one who might be like, yeah, I remember playing him. Here's what I know. Um, I will say too with Shaka Smart, like he faced Scott Drew for multiple years at Texas. So there's a lot of game plans that Shaka Smart has. Now those Texas teams might not align. I'd have to go back and do a little bit of research to see you know, what Shaka Smart did against those Baylor teams. But I don't want to put the cart before the horse, right? I don't want to be like, all right, yeah, they actually were kind of successful. And maybe there's there's a pathway here. So if we look at the last three years of Shaka Smart against Baylor, they played Baylor once last year. They got beat pretty good by 14 at home. Baylor won 83 to 69. The year before that, when they faced off against Baylor, did not go well. Um, they only scored four. They did not even get to the 50 point mark in either of their games. When They went 19 and 12, coincidentally enough. Uh, the covid year where Baylor won by 15 and Baylor won by seven. Uh, so both bad times so this is this is not trending in the direction they did beat Baylor in three years ago 84 to 72 at home they lost an overtime against Baylor um, right after that but that is an NIT team for Texas. And that Baylor team in 2019 did make the tournament, but as a nine seed. So it wasn't like Baylor was a world beaters that year. So yes, there is some tape, but Chaka has really not been that successful against Baylor over the span of three years. He was one, let's see. So that would make him one and five. Yeah, that's not good. That's not that's not what you want. Um, it's not that I hope that, oh, would you look at that? Chaka was actually pretty good against Baylor. He owned Baylor. Because um, it's really apples to pineapples. It's not. It's not indicative of anything. They're totally different players. But it would still be an interesting, like, coaching dynamic and interesting nugget. But yeah, Marquette has to get by North Carolina first. If they are able to get by North Carolina, then it's a shock the world situation or a shock the world situation, as I saw some people on Marquette Twitter say, because that would that would be what be what it would take. It would take an all time effort for Marquette to pull off an unthinkable upset and would really kind of put Marquette on the map. I don't think they need it this year, honestly. I don't know if they even need to win North Carolina. Um, We'll kind of talk about that as we get closer on what's at stake here for both Marquette and Wisconsin. Speaking of the Badgers, the Badgers get Milwaukee. I don't think there was any doubt that the Badgers would get Milwaukee. I think that had Wisconsin you know, really... I don't know. I think they would have lost to Maryland, maybe, right? But Maryland didn't even get there. Michigan State won. Um, but I, I feel like the committee was pretty set on putting Wisconsin here in Milwaukee. And so they will be playing Colgate in the first round. Not an easy matchup for Wisconsin. Uh, That's definitely not one that they want to see. Colgate is an experienced team. Colgate's a team that pushed Arkansas. They had Arkansas, and I think they were leading in the second half in that game last year as a 14 seed. Uh, Their they're, they're experience, they have what it takes to, I wouldn't say pull off the upset, because I think that would be sort of an unthinkable upset. But the fact that they are the second best three-point shooting team in all of the country at 40% gives you a little bit of pause if you're a Wisconsin fan because you think about it, you're probably a Bucks fan too. And we know all about the Bucs outlier games where the Bucs give up a ton from deep and you're like, well, this is uncontrollable. Like they were just red hot from deep and could not miss. Now, Wisconsin is pretty good at defending the three. They're 97th in, in the nation. So it's not like Wisconsin are complete schlubs from beyond from defense beyond the arc. So I, I don't necessarily worry too much about that from Wisconsin angle. Like I think Wisconsin should be able to figure it out and they're gonna be definitely guarding that three point line. There is a definite size advantage between Wisconsin and Colgate. Wisconsin is the 26th, like in terms of average height, they're 26th. Colgate is 155. So that can be a real issue when it comes to rebounding. When it comes to second chance opportunities like that, definitely favors Wisconsin. Also, you could argue Colgate has probably never seen somebody like Giant Davis this season. That is going to be a lot for them to deal with. And if you look at when Colgate played against some of the top, some of the Power Five teams, they only beat Syracuse. They were they beat Syracuse 185 on the road. Um, makes sense, right? A team who can really shoot from beyond the arc was able to sink a two three zone. But they lost to teams like NC State, Pittsburgh, St. John's, who are all not in the tournament. And frankly, were all bad basketball teams. They also lost to Harvard, who wasn't as good as I think people expected them to be. Now, were some of these games close? Yeah, they only lost to Pittsburgh by three. They only lost to NC State by three. So it's not like they were necessarily losing to these teams by large margins. St. John's, they didn't get their asses kicked. But to that point like it's not something i can look at and say okay colgate is like a live dog like everybody loves south dakota state i think everyone's gonna put south dakota state i had a providence um but it that it's not that same thing it's not that for colgate and i do think it's probably one of the toughest toughest 14 draws if i had to look at it just from the experience that colgate has colgate's been here before you look at like montana state first tournament appearance in forever longwood i think it's their first tournament appearance ever um, yale has definitely well yale's tough so i think yale and colgate are kind of birds of similar feathers like yale is definitely going to be a team that will give purdue a little bit of a scare the ivy leagues man they always seem to come to play and so i do think that either yale or colgate is right there in terms of best 14 seed if you will Um, But yeah, I I think it's a good challenge. I don't think there's really anything wrong with Wisconsin, you know, playing a team like Colgate in the first round. I think that gets them ready, gets them focused. And I I really also don't think Wisconsin is going to lose sight. It's just a matter of the fact they can't really beat blowout teams this year. Is that going to come back to bite them? Are they going to be in a fight? And it's five minutes left to go, late on Friday night. Everybody's in their cups at bars across wisconsin and they're trying to avoid colgate pulling off this unthinkable upset in their home state and let me just be frank if they were to lose that game and who knows what the variables are let's say johnny davis stays healthy whatever like that's an all-time bad loss wisconsin cannot lose the first round in in milwaukee like that to me is like an unthinkable thing that's a big red X on Greg Guard's year. That would be a total damper to what Wisconsin has done, especially because there are a lot of people who are picking Wisconsin to the final four, which we can talk about here in a second. If the Badgers were to advance, they would either get LSU or Iowa State. That's pretty for- for- fortunate for either side. LSU is without a coach. Will Wade got the notice of allegations. They were pretty rough. LSU sort of limped their way you know, into the... NCAA tournament, they were 19 and seven uh, on February 6th. They are now 22 and 11. So uh, not necessarily the best finish for LSU. They got beat pretty good by Arkansas and they will have a new coach. So that's tough. Iowa State started off incredibly. Iowa State, really nobody thought Iowa State would be here. They kind of revived themselves after being three and nine In the Big 12, they got back up to seven and nine and then they lost three straight games, including getting thumped by Texas Tech, 72 to 41 in the Big 12 tournament. They also got thumped by Oklahoma State, 53 to 36. I don't think it will work out well for Iowa State if they do advance to face a Wisconsin team. That's pretty good at defense. It might be first to 50 and I don't know if Iowa State could even crack 40. Cool moment though for Iowa State because TJ Olsenberger is a Milwaukee native uh, from Thomas Moore. So him getting to play a tur- his, fir- I think it's his first tournament game. I'm not sure. He might've been a- been a tournament coach for South Dakota State. I have to go back and look at that. But the fact that Olsenberger gets to have a tournament game in Milwaukee has to be so, so special. Uh, but you that game, for anyone wondering, with Iowa State and LSU, it's really gonna come down to who turns the ball over most. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State is sixth in forcing turnovers and turnover percentage, and LSU is second. Both teams are also brutal at having turnovers forced against them. So really it's going to be a game of hot potato. It's going to be a very, very sloppy game. And also, which can be to detriment to the Badgers, but who don't turn the ball over, by the way. So that take that out of the equation. But both teams are really good at defending the three, and Badgers have been brutal from beyond the arc. So how does that affect either of these teams? We'll just we'll just kind of have to see. Um, and also, too, the Iowa State size is stunning. 243 is their average height. They do not have anybody big. They do have Tyrese Hunter, uh, the kid from Racine St. Catharines. So again, another homecoming. I think Iowa State's gonna travel really well in this game or for this game. And so I do think there's going to be a little bit of a home court advantage for the underdog Cyclones, who are only a four, four point dog, which is pretty surprising given how bad they were to finish off the year. I think that speaks more to LSU. Really quickly, we, I know we we're pretty past time in terms of talking about one topic, so I'll, I'll be quick on the bracket. I think there are a lot of people that are frustrated with the bracket today. I think they're gonna come out and show a lot of displeasure for how this bracket turned out. Now, the committee really didn't consider a lot that happened on Saturday and Sunday. I kind of understand it, but I kind of don't. I don't really like the idea that momentum doesn't matter. I really don't like the fact that Michigan, a team with 14 losses, easily got into the tournament. I don't like that Indiana somehow snuck their way in with Michigan. I felt like that should have been an elimination game and one team should have gone, not both. And the reason why both teams are in is because both fan bases travel well and it's all about the money. I do think Texas A&M would have traveled. I think it would have been all right but they didn't really want to put Texas A&M in. In fact, the next team up would have been Dayton, and Dayton would have potentially had a home game in the first four. I think that caused a lot of issues. I think when it's like, okay, now we have to think about Dayton, and they preferred to go Michigan over Dayton. And I think that's kind of unfair to Dayton's resume, because I thought Dayton had a pretty decent year. I know the A-10 was down, but whatever. Uh, Providence being a four seed is an absolute joke. Um, Providence, to me, is one of the most overrated teams in all of basketball. I don't really like Providence, but I don't know how anyone can see Providence as a four seed, same as I don't know how anyone can see Duke as a two seed and Tennessee as a three seed. Uh, Tennessee got absolutely disrespected. I It makes no sense to me. Um, to me, Tennessee is a very live three seed. I know Rick Barnes has struggled in the month of March, but I, I do think that that could be a team to watch for the Final Four. Speaking of Final Four, a lot of people are picking the Badgers. I don't know if I'm on that yet. Um, I don't know if that's something that I'm going to personally see. I, I don't trust Auburn, but I do think Auburn got a nice draw with USC and, and USC. Um, I know they've struggled kind of down the stretch, but they have more talent than both those teams. Um, and I think if they were to get Wisconsin in these Sweet Sixteen think there is a significant disadvantage there for the Badgers and I do think you know Auburn could be a real problem for Wisconsin when it came to size now or not size but just athleticism I I would really favor Auburn in that game so we'll see but if I had to look at this and I had to say I don't really have not good at that like first blink final four I think if I had to say first blink final four though I'd say Kentucky Kansas Arizona and Gonzaga. That would be my final four. Um, so that to me is, I think, pretty similar. Uh, that's three one seeds, right? Which is pretty crazy. Three ones and a two. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it ends up. I don't know if I'll get there at the end of it. Um, I don't necessarily know if Gonzaga is gonna be able to handle the pressure. Um, but at the same time, I do worry, I do wonder You know, who's gonna beat them in that region. Because I don't think it's gonna be Duke I don't know if it's going to... Texas Tech has been really bad on the road this year. Um, Arkansas, maybe, right? Arkansas could be a team that could beat anybody, but they could also lose to anybody. Connecticut-Arkansas, if that's the second round game, is going to be awesome. That's must-see. Watch. But yeah, I think the sexy pick, the... I think I've called it the K Adams to a couple of friends is South Dakota State. Like South Dakota State is is basically the you know the sexy pick for everybody. Everybody's gonna have South Dakota State. Sometimes you just gotta ride the chalk though. So we'll talk more about the brackets as the week goes on. Um, we'll find out who Mitch's Kiss of Death team is um, on tapping the keg this week, um, and we'll give the background to that story because that's a lot of fun. If you you're not familiar with the Kiss of Death, it is something made of legends. All right, let's move on to Tom Brady. So Tom Brady could not have Selection Sunday um, live on its own. Tom Brady had to come in like the Big Bird meme and say, I am back, motherfuckers. Tom Brady called it unfinished business and he's back in Tampa for another year. Tom Brady's retirement lasted longer than, or didn't last as long as the MLB lockout. Tom Brady basically prematurely retired. Like Tom Brady's a guy who came too quick in bed. He just, he had this post-nut clarity and all of a sudden he's like, I need to be playing football again. And he looked at the NFC landscape and was like, this thing can easily run through my team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, what's interesting is he went to Manchester, who are owned by Manchester United, who are owned by the Glazers. He visited with Cristiano Ronaldo, visited with Harry Kane, and basically told Cristiano, like, I'm not, he's like, I don't know if I'm retired. And then sure enough, the next day, Brady is back as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now there's a lot of speculation. Will Brady, you know, is this setting up for another team next year? Cause the Buccaneers only have under contract for one more year. Would he go to San Francisco after this? Could it be a situation where he forces Bruce Arians out? Um, Arians and Brady, I don't know if they're exactly on the same page, but then again, if you do fire Bruce Arians, who the hell are you gonna hire to take over this role? I mean, McDaniels would have been the easy answer had McDaniels still been in New England, but now McDaniels being in Vegas, I don't know if there's really that coach for Tom Brady to be like, oh yeah, for sure, that's the guy taking over. Unless it would be Byron Leftwich, which would be the ultimate like backstab to Bruce Arians, which would be crazy. Or Todd Bowles, for that matter. But both, to me, would be backstabbing the guy that got them there, which would be crazy. But who knows, right? You don't want to speculate. But as a Packer fan, everybody's mad. And I get it. Uh, you know, the Packers were supposed to be the kings of the NFC, they were supposed to rule the roost, but I could argue that this is a good thing for Green Bay because now there isn't maybe the surefire lock everybody into the Packers. There adds a little bit of more pressure. There adds the Tom Brady angle to this, where it's going to be, it's going to have to run through Tom Brady, and that you know at some point you're going to have to beat Tom Brady to get there. You faced him once in the playoffs; you can do it again who knows if you'll actually get to him come playoff time but yes there is a there is a feeling of like it takes a little bit of the pressure off in, in a weird way because i don't know if there is as much pressure on the green bay packers knowing that brady's there knowing that there's a realistic you know top contender that tampa is and i think it's tampa it's the rams and it's packers and that's everybody else and it's kind of similar to what it was last year right that sounds vaguely familiar to what we had last season the question is will will it end up that way are there, is everybody else going to remain quiet or will we see other teams emerge we've heard the saints and the panthers both interested in deshaun watson that would certainly add a lot more spice to the nfc south if we went from basically no quarterbacks in the nfc south to now you have tom brady and deshaun watson that would certainly add a lot of flavor. Now the Vikings decided to keep Kirk Cousins on a 1-year, 35 million dollar deal fully guaranteed. I can't fucking believe that. Um it's absolute amazing. Kirk Cousins has a great agent. Um it seems like everybody's in line to make Kirk Cousins, you know, a better quarterback than he's been. And we've heard this from coaches before. I know Kevin O'Connell is convinced that he can make Kirk Cousins into a uh, borderline MVP guy but i just don't see it i haven't seen it see, i have not that the kirk cousins i've watched for the last however many years is not an MVP guy nor will he ever be so yeah it comes back to it's rogers and brady but i i do think that 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 makes it a little less a little less feeling like everybody's against you like the targets on your back the entire season they the target will be spread out between the Rams, Packers, and Buccaneers. And that it'll be a clear, clear cut. These are the top teams and then these are the next tier of teams. That's cool. Like I, I have no problem with that. And I think the Packers shouldn't have any problem with that because I think had it been the other way around and Brady stayed retired, the bullseye would have really been directly on the Packers and maybe a little bit of the Rams, obviously, because they had just won the title. One of the things that does suck, the only real to me kind of consequence, if you will, of Brady being back is the fact that there is a good chance you could see the Packers and Buccaneers on Sunday night football or even Monday night football. I think Monday night's gonna get some major games this year because of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman going there. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, are not going to ESPN to get giant Seahawks, all right? Like, they're going there, and I don't even know if those two teams play. It was the first two teams that came to mind. But they're going there to get games like the Packers and Buccaneers. And Green Bay has to travel Tampa, which has been a house of horrors. And I was kind of looking forward to facing off against, whether it be Jimmy Garoppolo, Blaine Gabbert, maybe Deshaun Watson. Um, But instead, it will be Tom Brady. And there will be a lot of people that will want to watch that game. That will be a premier game, um, whether it be NBC, whether it be Fox, whether it be ESPN, they're going to make sure that that is prominently featured. And Aaron Rodgers has had a Florida problem in the past, especially in Tampa it'd be nice for him to finally win one in that stadium. I think the pack from a morale perspective, from a confidence perspective, that would really, really go a long way. But that's definitely a game now sort of on the primetime radar. We did that primetime podcast last week, two weeks ago. And I did not mention that game. That game now becomes a, a major event for the Green Bay Packers. And definitely one to keep in mind when you look at how the season will break out because It's going, it could be a tiebreaker. It could be just, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be just a noon game on a random November Sunday. It's going to be a lot more than that. Going to have a lot more meaning as we will do the Brady Rogers thing yet again. People saying that Aaron Rodgers was like sad that Brady got all this attention are so fucking ridiculous. Like I I just think that is just people getting retweets off because I, I think Aaron doesn't really care. Um, I also do think Brady deserves some criticism for how dramatic this whole thing was. Like Tom Brady was like, I'm retired. Had everybody suck his dick. Everybody kind of give him the Coach K treatment for the last 40 days. And now he's like, oh, just kidding. I'm back. Like this, it's like a worse version of Brett Favre. And people got sick of it with Favre. And I think people will get sick of it from Brady if he continues to do it. The question is, is how... How many more years now? And is it going to be a, is this a one-year thing? Is this two-year thing? Is it really gonna take until Brady is into the ground? I don't believe that LeBron James influenced Tom Brady for a second. I think he always was gonna come back. I think Tom just overreacted in a lot of ways. And I think the Adam Schefter report, him and Jeff Darlington saying that you know, Brady was going to retire, I think put a lot of pressure on Tom and Tom wasn't really ready to make that decision yet. And unfortunately he felt backed in a corner and was like, all right, I'm retired. I can always back out. And sure as shit, he backed out and here we go. And it adds more spice to it. I think it would have been weird if it was just the Packers and Rams, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm happy to have the Bucs as a competitor and bring it on. And we talked about this with the Bucs, we're gonna mention here in a second. You know, if you're scared, go to church, man. Like we we might face the Nets in the first round. And if that's the case, so be it. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. Now, people pointed out to me that I said the same thing about the 49ers. And I was like, if you wanna be the best, you gotta beat the best. And here's the thing. We weren't the best and we lost the 49ers. And if we wanted to be elite and we wanted to be a team that could go to the Super Bowl, we had to cure our demons against the 49ers and we just couldn't. And that should stick in Green Bay's craw. To me, that's less of a what if than if David Bakhtiari doesn't get hurt, we don't lose Tampa Bay, we win the Super Bowl and there you go. And maybe Rodgers is retired and maybe it's Jordan Lavera at this point. But I don't know that, right? Um, That's kind of left to be remained unseen. And to me, I can't do that with like the Rams, even though I know Aaron Rodgers owns Matt Stafford and I know that, LaFleur has done pretty well against McVay and I feel very confident against the Rams. So I still do think the Packers will be the team to beat in the NFC. I think a lot of people will short and put the Buccaneers as that top dog, but they have a lot of roster work to do. And I'm not saying anything about the cap. I know I saw somebody who was like, well, you got to figure out a lot of dollars and cents. And I'm like, you guys still think the cap's real. I know the cap's fake, So who knows who they could bring in, but as of now, I'm not necessarily convinced that this Tampa team has what it takes to go to the Super Bowl or to be the prohibitive favorites besides they have Tom Brady. And I think sometimes that's the lazy thing. We just settle for who's the best quarterback or who is the best playoff quarterback. Obviously it's Tom Brady, he's a legend, but I don't necessarily look at Tampa Bay right now at this point and say they're a Super Bowl favorite they make moves, they get younger, they have a good draft, they're a very good drafting team, yes, then I can. we can maybe say, yes, Tampa Bay, is, Tampa Bay is the favorite. But we're not there yet. But now you have to make sure that you're on your fucking game when it comes to drafting against Tampa, who's going to be an issue, right? That's just going to be something you're going to have to think about as Green Bay and Tampa are lumped right there when it comes to the NFL draft. So we'll see. Add some spice, man. Everything's happening. It's been a whirlwind of a Sunday. Moving on to Brooke Lopez before we wrap up today's show. Brooke Lopez is back. So is George Hill. They both will be playing against Utah. No word on how much Brooke Lopez and George Hill will play. No word on if Brooke Lopez will start or come off the bench. I would imagine that he'll be starting. Brooke Lopez, I think. In the past, I don't even think this was when he was a buck. I think this was when he was with the Nets. He spoke out against how much he doesn't like coming off the bench. It's not really his thing. He feels more comfortable as a starter. So I would imagine they will still have Brook Lopez in the starting rotation, which would mean that Bobby goes to the second team, which I don't hate at all. I think that will actually really help the Bucks um, as they sort of figure out their lineups and figure out their rotations to finish off the year. I don't expect more than 20 minutes for Brook Lopez. I think Brook Lopez will probably you know, play anywhere from 10 to ten to 20, and that's okay. And I think just getting his feet wet is really important for these next basically, what do they have left? 15, 20 games before the regular season is over. I think the regular season's over in about a month. Um, by a month from now, we'll know who the Bucs are playing in the playoffs. And I think that's... That's the whole point is like, let's make sure that Brooke is kind of at sort of his peak and that they can kind of ramp him up and feel like he's feeling good and he can go 25 or 30 minutes, you know, come playoff time. I think that's really the goal of the next month is to get Brooke sort of ingratiated with this version of the Bucks. right? It's a little different than the teams in years past. The names are still the same, but the fact that the Bucks are going to have their big four together for the first time since the Brooklyn game at the start of the season is absolutely wild. And it's a huge boost in the arm after a frankly lifeless performance against Golden State. uh, I don't know if it was the Bucks were reading their press clippings. I don't know if it was the Bucks were so dominant against the Warriors the first game around that they didn't take this version seriously, Uh, but they were really sort of lifeless defensively. They just kind of didn't give a shit in the first half, and it led to a Clay Thompson explosion. Clay sort of erupting out of nowhere, um, which he's been bad since the All Star break, and he just found it, which which sucks. It sucks that it happened against the Bucs. I couldn't believe, you know, some Bucks fans who I really like. Well, not fans, but. I, I don't know. One's a fan. One's more of a journalist who's like talking about how, well, it's cool that Clay's doing this. And I'm like, Is Clay's doing it against us. Shut up. Like, I like these guys, but fuck off, man. Like, we don't want Clay to do this. I don't, I like Clay's a good guy. Everybody likes Clay. I don't have any problem with Clay Thompson. But I don't want Clay Thompson to do this against the Bucks. Let him do this against the fucking Kings. Let him do it against the Raptors. I don't give a fuck. Don't have it be against the Bucks. All right. So that was, that was weird to me. That was really weird that people were like champion. That's just the fucking society we live in. Like we did this whole thing about Naomi Osaka getting booed. She got booed or someone told her she sucked and she broke down in tears. You play a fucking sport, all right? You're gonna get booed. That's part of the game. You get heckled. It's not, are you people assholes for doing it? Yeah, but have a fucking thick chin, all right? And if you can't, then don't play fucking tennis. Just go be a mental health advocate. I don't give a fuck. Okay, that was a side tangent. I apologize, but it drove me crazy today. I'm just so sick of it. Just it, I'm just done with it. But anyways, yes, the Bucs did not really come ready to fight against the Warriors. Um, the Warriors, I think, made some really nice adjustments to what the Bucs were doing. I think Kaminga against Giannis did it, held his own. And I, I was really impressed. Like, I came away... From that game, like Jonathan Kaminga is gonna be a star. Like, I, I don't I would not trade Jonathan Kaminga. I think Jonathan Kaminga is like the next great Golden State Warrior. I, I really do see it with him. Um, and I, I think he's going to be special for that Warriors team. And Jordan Poole is incredible, man. Like Jordan Poole is a legitimate guy. Like, he's not just like a role player anymore. To me, like Jordan I'm not saying he's an all-star, but Jordan Poole is definitely like in that tier of not a role player but not an all-star i don't even know what you call that maybe a glue guy but yeah jordan i mean yeah the warriors to me that version of warriors looked as good as i've seen golden state in since really draymond's injury so they've they unlock something right before draymond comes back and now you get draymond back and they were an absolute wagon with draymond And so we'll see what happens with that Golden State team. I would not sleep on them for that two seed. I think they can still get it um, and kind of make a mad dash to the finish, which I think they will try to do because I really do think the two seed in the West is more valuable than any of the other positions in either side of the bracket. Well, I was going to say that, but then it's like, well, with the East, it's like there is a potential getting Cleveland. You want to get Cleveland in the first round. So where does Cleveland fall? It's Cleveland Fall is a This Cleveland Fall is a seven. I think Toronto only like a game behind Cleveland for the sixth spot. To me like that's the that's the area you're looking for. You're looking for how do you face Cleveland in the first round And if it's Cleveland Brooklyn and in the play and matchup, that's a problem, right? because you have to deal with you have to deal with Kyrie then because Kyrie would get to play. Shout out to Kyrie though. I've never been a Kyrie guy, but the fact that he's been raising a stink about the whole vaccination stuff is absolutely fantastic. So I, I really, I really do like that. I think it's like a true talk, you know, talking topic. Like it's a true topic that everybody's going to mention on Monday, even with all the craziness. Um, to put a proverbial bow on the Brook Lopez topic. It's so good to have him back. I think the Bucks are now in sort of go time here. And can they finish strong? I don't think they care about who they'll play in the first round. It doesn't matter to them. I think all that matters is making sure that Brook Lopez feels comfortable and ready to go for playoffs. And if they could get Pat Conson back maybe a week or two weeks before the playoffs, I don't think a lot of the guys will play. Like I think you'll start seeing Giannis, Drew, middleton rest and sort of get ready for the playoffs and kind of load management their way in um still i think Conton can can kind of be flexible like i don't think Conton needs a ton of time but if he could get two weeks right before the season i think that would be stellar so it's good to have most of the bucks back um it sucks about benbury by the way if you didn't hear that towards acl and mcl and a really brutal injury i feel terrible for him on that and that's a I wouldn't say a significant loss, but it it definitely, you lose some of the fight in your bench and you're gonna definitely have to find it. So who's gonna take those Benbury minutes? Is it more Wes Matthews, who's been really bad down the stretch? Is it just Conanton's gonna sort of assume those minutes once he's back? Probably, that's probably your answer, right? Uh, But yeah, they they definitely lose a little bit with not having Benbury out there. So. Definitely a sad injury, um, but it's good to have Brooke back. Um, excited to see what he does in the game tonight against Utah. As mentioned, I think. Oh no, he, did, he didn't mention it. He mentioned it in chat, uh, but but the Bucks have. Mitch was like, "Oh yeah, the Bucks haven't won there since like 2000. Uh, it's been forever since Milwaukee has won in Utah. May this be the day that we beat the Jazz. Jazz have not been that good against the spread at home. Um, they've been they've struggled in that category. So maybe this is the day." that the Jazz are finally able to be defeated by the Bucks in Utah. Be nice. I you know The Bucks do have them, the Kings and the Wolves. Wolves cannot be slept on. They've been a really fun team and playing really well, but if you get this one, then you kind of bake in. You should beat the Kings, take care of business there, and then if you lose to the Timberwolves, two and two road trips, nothing, nothing to shake your dick at. You're okay with that, um, but hopefully they can get the Jazz tonight, because Two game losing streak, you kind of don't need as you're jostling for position. But it was all in all an okay weekend for the Bucs. You know, Heat lose, which so you don't lose a game there. Um, You had the Sixers nearly lose to Orlando, but the Sixers have to play Denver tomorrow or tonight. So I do think that could be a real issue. Um, Chicago did win, but. Then again, two, Chicago just beats up on bad teams right now. I I wouldn't say Cleveland's a bad team, but Cleveland's not playing that well. So they got wins against Cleveland and Detroit. Chicago's just kind of doing their thing. And then you have Boston losing to Dallas at home, which I, on the KG ceremony, I couldn't believe that. the Dallas lost, Dallas were able to beat them with a Dinwiddie three. So that's a big sort of shot in the arm for the Milwaukee Bucks. So we'll see what happens as everybody continues to jostle for position. Last thing before we wrap up, I just wanted to mention, I was at Three Lines Pub this weekend with my guy Twiggs. I had copious Guinness stouts. Man, Guinness gets slept on if it's poured right. And not to sound like a snob, but I was in double in Ireland um, and I probably added a D there. I'm sorry. It's a grammatical thing. Leave me alone. I was in Dublin, Ireland, um, right before the pandemic. So in February, 2020. And what they told us about pouring a Guinness, and if you do have it ability to pour it on draft, you pour it basically three-fourths of the way. And then you stop. And you let it sit, maybe for five seconds, 10 seconds. And then you top it off. And they were doing that, I noticed they were doing that at the bar. So that's what made me want to get a Guinness. Because I was like, man, I haven't had a Guinness in while. And what you forget about Guinness, because it's a stout, is that it's a very light drinking beer. It's 4.2%. You can crush Guinnesses. Like, you can have four or five and not necessarily feel like that heavy bloated feeling. Like, when we think of stouts, because the Eagle Parks, the Third Spaces, the 1840s of the world, we're like, oh, they're 11%, just these thick motherfuckers. No. No. Guinness is slept on. And here's the weird thing. Here's why I think Guinness is slept on. That that was the first time i had had a Guinness since Ireland. And I was like, why do people sleep on Guinness? For starters, it's not really a beer you should buy for yourself. It's not a beer that should be in a can. It's not a beer that should be in a bottle. It should come out of a tap. And that's the only way that Guinness should come out. The second thing is, yeah, people don't know how to pour it. So that's a problem, right? Um, so I think that it's twofold. But yeah, if you get a good, good poor Guinness, it's worth your time. I think I'm going to probably have a couple on St. Patrick's Day too. Like I usually I'm a green beer guy on St. Patrick's Day. I might have a few Guinnesses, um, which by the way, will be out on St. Patrick's Day. I don't know where yet. I haven't decided that, but we'll have a group of guys watching Marsh Madness. We'll definitely make sure to let the people know. I am torn right now between watching with my friends for the marquette game or saying after the marquette game we'll go out i feel like i was in this exact same scenario with the murray state game and then that ended up being a blowout and we ended up going out after and it was fine but yeah i have to i have to figure that one out that's that's gonna be that's sort of the tricky decision right now i'm kind of tempted with just inviting a couple of my friends over, just being like, you guys can come watch the game at my house, drink some of my beer, hang out with me and the dog, and then after the Marquette game, we'll go to wherever wherever we end up. But yeah, that, that right now is the biggest thing on my radar to start my week, but I cannot wait. I'm excited, I'm excited to take two, I haven't had a day off in a while, so day and a half off of work, like the traditions are back, I'm excited. Cannot wait, make sure you're filling out your brackets. Join our bracket pool. It's on Yahoo. 9655 is the ID. Daily taps password. D is capitalized there. If you can't log in, if you've joined in the past, you should have an email in your inbox saying sign up. Um, and if you don't, uh, reach out to me and I'll send you, I'll send you something directly. All right, take care, guys. Back tomorrow. Uh, Mitch and I on Wednesday. Um, and then yeah, we'll have pods all week. Um, we're going to definitely, I don't think we'll do like a live reaction after the Marquette game. As mentioned, I'm going to be out drinking. It's You know, if I got paid for this, we would definitely have like a show immediately after. So, But we will do a podcast on Thursday. Probably not a podcast Friday, but we will do, I don't know. Stay tuned on that. We, well, we'll have a Friday pod for sure. We'll have a Thursday pod. Um, the question will be is, will we have a Saturday pod? And maybe, just maybe, I don't know yet. I'll have to figure figure that out, kind of iron out those details as the weekend goes on. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great start to your week and we'll talk tomorrow. See you, bye.